26th of September, and welcome to Faith Radio Mornings, where we'll talk about important news and topics of the day with trusted voices from around our country. Maybe have some different angles on the news, some conservative, some more liberal, but all of it will be from a Christian perspective. And we'll do so with honesty and with faith and with a real hope each morning that only comes because that tomb is empty and we serve the living king of the only kingdom that knows no end. I am your host for the show, Dr. Peter Kapsner, joined in studio by Logan Rausch, oftentimes Rachel Sutton as well, who do a great job running the sound and the board and getting the guests booked each morning that just bring us a variety of perspectives and wisdom from, from a kingdom standpoint. And, of course, Paul Perot in the newsroom, who has stacks of news for me every morning to sort through that we can talk about, again, from a Christian perspective. And we certainly love hearing from you as well. It's not just about us, but you as listeners. And so when you call and text in, as you often do, we so appreciate you engaging in the conversation. You can do so anytime at 877 933 2484. Again, call or text at any time, 877-93-FAITH. Loved our first hour of the show with Harvest Prude, who's a journalist for World Magazine and the inside of the courtroom, or the, the hearing room proceedings and the, and the court drama of the Supreme Court, as well as Dr. Kent Kaiser. And of course, after Kent, every Wednesday, I'm joined in studio by Bill English, the longest running guest on Faith Radio Mornings. And Bill writes a lot for his website, BibleandBusiness.com, does a lot of work I know consulting with his platinum group and helps businesses of all size in, in different stages of their journey and development. Good morning, Bill. It's great to have you in studio as always. Well, that's, that was great. You should join the marketing team at Platinum. Really? You know, if you made <laughs> me a good offer, I'd probably this would be my last day on Faith Radio. You know, uh, $4.50 an hour is what we're paying now. <laughs> okay, I think I'm going to stick with the radio show, Bill. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit, actually, in the first hour from different angles about this kind of fun news, but it actually has some serious implications, I think, for businesses out there that Dunkin' Donuts has dropped the donuts part of their name as they're rebranding themselves. I'm sure in your journey as a business person, Bill, that you've seen companies decide if they're going to rebrand themselves. What are some reasons why a company might? It, it seems like Dunkin' Donuts wants to focus more on, on high profitable, high margin coffee business, and so they don't want to be associated only with donuts anymore. But what are some reasons companies might rebrand themselves? Well, their, their brand gets stale. The product line gets stale. It gets old out of date. Uh, people get grow tired of it, and so they have to come up with a new product line, new service lines. And as a result, new brands. Do you ever talk with business people at all in terms of just saying, hey, you really should think about after you've done your analysis and assessment, do you say maybe you should change the way you're, you're presenting only yourself? Only one, only one here in the Twin Cities in the five years I've been at Platinum, I've only recommended that they do a brand change on one customer. And it made a lot of sense to me and it didn't make any sense to them. So, you know. <laughs> well, and I know we were talking off air and we'll do this after the break here in just a moment, get into sometimes how churches will change their name. And it seems to be a growing trend, obviously, over the last 10 years that we're dropping denominations from our names or trying to become supposedly more relevant. So why don't we take a short break? But when we come back from break, let's get into that more because I'm sure listeners have experienced life in their own church community with these conversations. So much more to come here with Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com on Faith Radio Mornings.
It's nine minutes past the hour here on Faith Radio Mornings. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Kapsner, joined in studio by Bill English of BibleInBusiness.com. And Bill, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about companies that change their brand, change their name. Maybe it's because they've gotten stale with it or they want to create a new perception. But this isn't just for secular businesses. We see a movement in churches over the last maybe 10, 15, 20 years really making some significant name changes. Yeah, and they're they're dropping the denomination is ma- mainly what they're doing. A lot of them still are, are associated with denominations, but they're dropping the denominational name. And I wonder about that. I wonder about the distinctives that are being lost in these name changes. But you're a practical theology guy. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, the, the whole share has shifted this morning, Bill. Well, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. You know, I think uh, part of how we can process these things is to recognize that denominations on the, on the world history scene are still relatively young. I mean, when we're talking just a few hundred years here that we've seen so many different splits. And I think if you go into the origin of why a denomination developed, Sometimes it seemed really rightly ordered because there was corruption and abuse maybe happening, and so there needed to be a break from that. But when you're talking about 600 different denominations in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area alone, so really? many There's of 600, 600 yeah, wow. there, so many of those splits and breaks. I think so many of us that have been part of the church community and love the church, love the bride, uh, also have experienced some of the difficult dimensions of power and gossip and some of the splits that have come maybe because of the way worship is being done. Maybe somebody liked more expositional preaching versus topical. It's hardly ever uh, a real distinct theological idea that leads to a new denomination that needs to, to sort of be clarified. And so maybe some of the dropping of the denominational names represents an idea that at least we want to try to be united in this, recognizing that there is some really wonky ideas as well. Yeah, you know, if you were to if you were to line up the statement of faiths of say the Christian Missionary Alliance, the Evangelical Free Church, maybe even the United Methodists, and uh, and the Baptists, at least some of the Baptists, you would find their statement of faiths are nearly identical. They really are. They're very very close. Yeah, I think one of the the more compelling conversations that's happening across a variety of denominations that I assume is impacting a lot of our listeners has to do with same-gender marriage right now and the affirming of same-gender That is a watershed issue. Yeah, that really is the one that's causing... I think when we look back in history 100 years from now, you know, I read history books in my classes about these conversations that seem like they're these dusty pages of history, but they were probably incredibly divisive in the time. I think we're going to look back in history 100 years from now and see that related to the same-gender issue. Yeah, and uh, I... The the same-sex marriage, the gay marriage, how, however you want to call it, to me that is a, a watershed issue it really uh, is. As, as to whether you're staying faithful to the Scriptures or not. And I know that just what I, but just by saying that I've offended a number of people. Absolutely. Uh, but the clear uh, exegetical interpretation of the Scriptures, just the plain reading of the Scriptures, I just don't see how you can come up with gay marriage as something that is approved by God. Well, and of course, that conversation on sexuality is one of the most prevalent in our culture today. So much confusion. You know, I teach a class on that, and we have about 14 weeks of class, and a full three or four weeks is devoted to trying to understand the same-gender conversation from a variety of angles, but that also brings up, it's not just same-gender conversation. We're seeing so much of the abuse conversations coming up from people in power. We've seen it in the headlines of the Catholic Church that there seems to be a lot of light being shed from the last 30, 40, 50, or even longer years of young boys being abused primarily. We've seen the abuse of power in the Protestant church among a variety of big-name pastors. Bill, how are you processing all of this just organizationally and even just some of what I know you would suggest is a bit of hypocrisy about why some of these abuse situations get a lot of attention and others get swept under the rug? Well, I think we pay attention to three things when it comes to these what I'll call public abuse uh, situations. And I I, I think three things really seem to affect how we view them. Number one is our politics. 
what we believe politically. Number two, it's the context in which the allegations are made. And number three, it's our gender. Mm-hmm. Are you a male or female? Yeah. And you don't you don't get to choose beyond that, you know, in terms of male or female. So <clears throat> for the the politics, so much of our life is political now. You can't watch a sporting event now without having a political discussion ambient to the event, right? right. You can't uh, you can't have uh, a victim come up and say this person abused me a long time ago, without it being interpreted as a political event if it's made within a political context to begin with. And so it it just seems to me that that those three things impact how we view these these sexual um, abuse allegations. And these things are are really difficult for our country to process. We do not process them well. We do not provide a context to discuss them well. And we uh, tend to move straight to the politics and ulterior motives on both sides. Well, and it sure seems like when it is in the political sphere, it really, whether it gets swept under the rug or brought to attention, has to do with which side of the aisle is bringing the accusations. So you look at how many accusations of President Clinton were sort of swept under the rug by the Democratic Party, while the Republicans were crying foul, but the Democrats, of course, wanted Clinton in power. And so we'll kind of just sweep these things under the rug. And now we're experiencing the reverse a bit with the Judge Kavanaugh proceedings, where the Republicans are trying to walk through the optics of the situation, but clearly they want their guy in power, while now the Democrats are crying foul because they're on the flip side of the power dynamic. So it is, there isn't a consistent message, certainly within our political sphere, around the importance of this conversation. And that leads to people being very jaded. Very, very jaded about who who really is is in this for the right reasons. You know, uh, Republicans elected Donald Trump. Eighty percent of evangelical Christians voted for this guy, right? And he was clearly, with his own words, a sexual abuser. And there's no way around that. The way that he described women and how how he would grab their genitalia and force himself on them that is clearly a sexual a predator there, right? So Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, and you find evangelical Christians on both sides of the aisles voting for their guy and looking the other way. I don't think God is happy. Well, I think that's a really astute point, uh, Bill. I remember that evangelical Christians certainly were trying to railroad President Clinton out of office for the same kinds of allegations that have been made against President Trump. But again, because Trump is maybe for some people their guy in terms of a policy standpoint, saying we really want the tax cuts, we really want Supreme Court justice, there's sort of this holding of the nose about these allegations. It is really tricky to walk through all of this when it comes to people in power. And we continue to think as Christians that if we vote right and if we get involved and and I'm not downing us voting and getting involved, that, that we can somehow turn this country around. But Second Chronicles 7.14 is very clear. If the people, if we as Christians simply live righteously before God, that he will heal our land, he will supernaturally bring this country around. Mm. But so many of us don't live righteously. We we have private sin. We we do things and we say things that are really contrary to where the where the scriptures are at and where God's heart is at. And and since we don't live those things out in this society, we have some of the problems we have. I really believe that the core problems in our society are not political; they are spiritual. Hmm. And once and if <clears throat> the evangelical church were to ever figure this out. I think we could make huge inroads into changing this culture, maybe not into a Republican culture or a Democratic culture, but into a godly culture.
Yeah, let's get into that more, Bill, after the break, because one of the reasons why I love having you on the show is when we talk about it from a business standpoint, you don't have a divide between the business world and our spiritual world. We are Christian people walking out life in the business world, and I would love to get your take on what it means to have our allegiance to the kingdom of heaven as we're trying to deal with the temporary political scene of the day. So more to come with Bill English here on Faith Radio Mornings. Welcome back to Faith Radio Mornings. I'm your host, Peter Kapsner, and always delighted to be joined in studio by Bill English of BibleAndBusiness.com. It's always an engaging conversation. And, Bill, we've been talking just a lot about sort of the hypocrisy of sexual abuse in our country, and specifically that when it's a Democrat that's in power, the Republicans are always crying foul, you know, as loud as they can. And when it's yeah. a Republican in power, yeah. the Democrats are crying foul versus sweeping it under the rug. You know, you've had an interesting journey, too, just in terms of working in the political sphere during the course of your life. And tell our listeners a little bit about your process. Yeah, you know, I was actually pretty active in the Republican Party for a while back in the early to mid 90s. I was uh, a deputy chair for one of the BPOUs. Um, I was part of the state central committee for the Republican Party, and I worked on a number of senator and, and gubernatorial campaigns. I, I really lost faith in the Republican Party hmm. uh, when uh, when they when they became in power at, at the federal level and they started spending just like the Democrats did. And what I realized is that people in power spend money to stay in power to keep their constituents happy. And so uh, I am <clears throat> I still I think I'm still registered as a Republican, but. For all intensive purposes, I don't see much difference between the two. I just think the Republicans are Democrat light, and the Democrats are very close to being socialists anymore. Yeah. And so, uh, at least to my way of thinking. So, so I'm fascinated. So, because you, you didn't, when you talked about how you became a little disillusioned with the Republican Party, it's not like you swung then to the Democratic side of things. No, you just sort of removed yourself altogether from an allegiance standpoint. I am a I am a free market, limited government guy. I think the government that governs least governs best. I don't think you help the employee by hurting the employer. There's a lot of things that I continue to believe, but I don't think the Republican Party represents my beliefs that much anymore. And I can hear a number of people right now in their cars or at home going, wait a minute, you don't understand the Republican Party. And, well, no, I do think I understand the Mm -hmm. Republican Party. Uh, You know, you just look at the blast spending bills that they passed at the federal level and tell me that they're conservative, limited government people. They're not. Look at Donald Trump. He is not a conservative. Mm. He portrays himself as one, but he's not. He's at best a moderate. I've really, more and more, I've been heading towards the libertarian area where it's just, you know, keep the government out of the bedroom and keep the government out of the boardroom. And so that's kind of where my head's been going. Yeah, it's fascinating. And it doesn't mean, as you're talking about maybe sort of shifting allegiance a little bit from the Republican Party, that there aren't platforms within either party that, as a Christian, you would want to support. That's not about that, but it is about recognizing that it's pretty tough to give your full allegiance to, to one political party or another when really our allegiance is to the kingdom of God. Yeah, the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't fit neatly into either the Democrat or the Republican Party. I'm sorry, but for all those Christians who think the Republicans are always right and Democrats are always wrong, I disagree with you. Hmm. It just seems to me <clears throat> that uh, that people on the left, Christians on the left, confuse the work of the kingdom with the work of the government, and so we should we should do things to help the poor uh, by by the redistribution of wealth if they're looking at it from a political perspective. But to my way of thinking, that's something that the church ought to be doing, not the government. Uh, from from the uh, 
from the people on the right, it just seems to me that the church ought to be looking at at ways to improve the lives of their people and not necessarily depend on on just uh, uh, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of mentality that Republicans often have. So it just seems to me that uh, a Christian living out their lives will find parts of the Democrat and parts of the Republican platforms, as you said, that they would like, but there's a lot not to like there too. We should be allegiance first to Jesus Christ, and then yeah, okay, let's let's grab the politics and run with it. But I think the original framers intended factions, not parties. Mm. I think they thought that you know you're with me on this issue, but you're against me on this other issue, right? It's factions is what I think that they had intended the Congress to have, not political parties. I think that's well said. It's sort of become an all-out war for power at this point, where there isn't that conversation anymore around what where we agree and, and disagree. And we have a text from the listener, Bill. Actually, it's relevant to the conversation, too, that says, how is running the local church different from running a business in terms of principles and practices that are most likely to bring success to achieving vision and ministry? Because the, the church can so often be run like a business and have the same principles maybe of a business, but it's a different outcome at the end of the day we as believers are attending to in, in our faith that isn't just the success of the church from a business standpoint. You know, I get that question sometimes. Uh, to my way of thinking, uh, the business side of, of any ministry is run like a business because that's what it is. You still have to cash flow. You have to pay your debts. You have to follow the laws of the country that you're in. And that includes employment laws. That includes equal opportunity laws and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of what the church is here to do, What's the core purpose of the church? Seems to me it's always two things, is to worship God and evangelize the lost. And so that's what we do, and there's going to be a heavy spiritual component in terms of spiritual warfare as Satan opposes us. But in terms of the actual day-to-day operations, um, I don't see a problem running it like a business. Mm. So if I asked you from a church standpoint that uh, should a church go down to the state capitol, for example, if there's some sort of public policy conversation that a church feels like they are against, should they go down and pick it and try to change the public policy? I know, boy, I've been in church for a lot of years, and I hear both sides of it, that politics should stay out of the church or that the church should be far more engaged in the political sphere. How have you approached that that question over the years, Bill? You know, I, I think that the church should be calling both sides to righteousness and asking God to transform hearts and lives, because that's what God does. He transforms us, right? And as God transforms us, he transforms our thinking, and we start to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And then we let people move out as the Spirit of God energizes them. Should the church get involved in specific uh, policy issues? I have a hard time with that. To me, uh, people, Christians, ought to be involved in specific policy issues, but not the organized church. Uh, it's Bill English at BibleandBusiness.com. Bill, we just have about a minute left in our segment. They always go so quickly on this. And I'd just be curious on one last thought, that if you were a Christian thinking about, gosh, I want to stay engaged with the political process, and maybe not my church, but I want to stay engaged on some level, it, it's a little bit like being a Christian business person. You really are bringing those Christian principles to bear in the political sphere. You are, and so pray through what you would have God have you do. Right. And ask God, what what should I be involved in? And don't necessarily think it's a political party. You may want to get involved in a cause or a nonprofit. For example, you may want to get involved in the sex traffic industry, which, to my way of thinking, is modern day slavery. Yeah, we have slavery in this country. We, we can get rid of it if Christians get involved in it. And so, uh, you know, 
maybe maybe pick one or two causes and get involved in those. If you do choose to get involved in a political party, uh, you are going to have a difficult road to hoe, if you ask me. And so just make sure that you're walking closely with the Lord. Yeah, to your point, people using money to gain power in the political sphere, that's pretty tough to live a different way as a believer. And that's You sphere. cannot get, you know, it's power and money are so intoxicating in politics. And when everybody's cheering for you after you've just been elected, boy, oh boy, you better be walking close with the Lord. That's all I can say. Yeah, the applause of people, boy, that does cause the fall of a lot. Well, Bill, thanks for joining us so much here on Faith Radio Mornings. Love the segment. Bibleandbusiness.com if you want to check out more of Bill's work. And you can see some contact information as he's very accessible to you as listeners with your questions about the Bible and business. We'll take a break for Breakpoint and Bottom of the Hour News. And in the second half of this hour, I'll be joined by Jeremiah Johnston, who has a new program here on Faith Radio. And we'll talk about a number of different theological issues. So lots more to come on Faith Radio. Good morning.